You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Man, it's good to be here with you guys. So just a few quick things. Today at 5 o'clock. We are feeding over 120 people from this community. And, man, it's because of your abundant generosity that we're able to do that. If you've signed up to bring some food um, or just to be there and serve and to show God's love to people, and I, I want you to at least be at the location by 4.30. Um, we're going to be there pretty much all day, so if you need to come by, you can. Um, but, man, I am grateful that... We're a part of a church family that cares about people. A church family that, man, we've been blessed. We have the love of God within us, and we want to show that love to people who desperately need it. So I don't want you to overlook the fact that God is using you to make a kingdom difference. That's what this is. We're not just feeding people. We're making a difference for the kingdom of God. So just know that. Be confident in that. Man, and, and be proud of the fact that God is who He says He is. And we're not proud in the fact that we're anything, but we boast in Him and His grace and His mercy and His love and His power. Um, if you know me, you know I'm not a, not a big Christmas guy. If you remember last year, our Christmas series, the title was Bah Humbug, and that was because of me. So I just... I want you to know that there's a Christmas tree over here in the cafe area and it's very early for me to even see a Christmas tree. However, the reason that is there is very important. So we have these little, these little ornament cards on the tree. And what these are, they're just they're numbers, family 1 through 20. We don't know who the families are. We don't know how many people are in the families. And a lot of times you, you get families off and you know there, there's a certain number of kids, how old they are, you buy Christmas gifts for them. We're doing something a little different. We're partnering with Fishes and Loaves who gives away Christmas food boxes to these families that they serve uh, every week. So what we did is we said, man, we could probably do 10 families as a church, but we could do that without God's help. So we said, we're going to do 20 families because we know if we do 20, then that's all God. Because there's no way that a church our size should be able to do 20 families. So I want you to know that we're expecting God to move and to continuously move and use us to do this. So when you take a family off of that tree, there's a list on the back of all the things that go in this box. There's some boxes over there that you can take. Now the list is long, but they're really cheap items. So what I want you to do is I want you to pray over those before you take it. So don't just take one just because you feel guilty and you want to take one. I want you to take one because you know that God wants you to bless a family. And then we put on the bottom of this to, to write a note, right? Write a note to the family, stick it in the box, and let them know that we love them because God loves them. And we're going to continuously do this as a church. This is... This is the, the season of, of cheer, right? That's what they say. It's the holiday season. People get into this kind of stuff. And you can see my face, right? I am so excited that it's the holiday season. 
But man, I'm excited for a different reason. I'm excited because God is using each one of us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And what happens, at least in America, is that during the holiday season, it's just a, a perfect opportune time to show up and to do something in the name of Jesus. Because so many people are, are hurting because of whatever they're going through in life. Maybe they lost someone. Maybe they're just struggling. Maybe financially they don't have what it takes to, to have a Thanksgiving meal or to do quote-unquote Christmas for their family. And what we get to do as Christ followers is we get to come in to that pain and that hurt and that brokenness and say, hey, we serve a God who is the hope of the world. We serve a God who, who really wants you to have joy in your life. Not happiness, but joy. And this, this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about some Thanksgiving stuff, but and I want to start with something funny because I'm just a, I'm a dad joke kind of guy. So here, here's the question that I want you to answer. What side of the turkey has the most feathers? The outside. Just, y'all get that in a minute. So, what we're going to do is we're going to open Scripture and we're going to use a verse that probably 75% of churches in America are using this morning for their Thanksgiving message. But we're going to go up a little bit and we're going to read a little more because I think it's important that we get some context around this verse. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians this morning. And what I want you to just picture is you're at work. How many of you go to work every day? And even if you stay home with kids, that's still work. You can raise your hand. So, how many of you have a boss? Every guy that's married in this room should have their hand up. So, sometimes we work for people that we, we really like. Sometimes we work for people that we maybe don't like so much, right? And there's different types of leaders. There's different types of styles. There's different types of of just people in general. And what Paul does in this letter is he says, hey, so I want to talk to you a little bit about your Christian leaders. And then I want to talk to you about just each other and how we can really just get along with people who may be difficult to get along with, which is none of you guys. You guys are amazing. But this is just in the future if you deal with some difficult people around you. And then he goes into... This is God's will for your life. And we're talking about discovering the will of God. And last week, what we, what we saw is that there's a sovereign will of God, and then there's a perceptive will of God. And the sovereign will of God is if God says it, it's going to happen. The perceptive will of God is, hey, this is what God wants for us, but then He gives us the choice to say yes or no. So the rest of this series, we're going to talk about how we can live in the perceptive will of God. Because we don't have a choice in the sovereign part. He, if He decrees it, it's going to happen. So what does Paul say about this? And this is what it says in chapter 5, starting in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So Paul is talking to the church, 
And then he talks about the church leaders, the Christian leaders. And he says, hey, we want you to, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you. And if you've ever been in a church environment that you've been hurt in, you automatically go to, man, I would, I would never just respect church leaders because they're church leaders. I would never just respect some Christian leader because he calls himself a pastor. And this is what I want you to see out of this, is that leaders are recognized not by their title, but by their service. And Paul says this. He says, we ask you brothers to respect those who what? Who labor among you. He doesn't say, I want you to respect your pastor or your Christian leaders because they have a title that says pastor or leader. He says, no, I want you to respect those who labor among you. So you as a leader, the title isn't what makes you respectable. The service that you perform is what makes you respectable. And I want you to know that, that as you begin to lead more and more and more, it's not about title, it's about your heart for the kingdom of God. And Paul makes it very clear that, hey, we're not just respecting people with some title, we're expecting people who labor for the kingdom. Are you laboring for the kingdom? And then he goes on and says in verse 14, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So now Paul goes from leaders to one another. How can we really be thankful and serve one another. And he gives a lot of actions to take. He says admonish the idol. Now, when you hear the word admonish, a lot of times you think that that's some kind of disciplinary term, right? But admonish, it doesn't mean to discipline. It really just means to warn someone. Hey, this is these are people who are idle. These are people who maybe have, have just kind of turned complacent. They're stagnant. And Paul says, hey, for those people, I want you to warn them that they become that way. How many times has anyone in your community, of your, your life people, said, hey man, you've just, something's going on with you. People do that to me on a regular basis. If, if I have some kind of uh, look on my face. So let me just say this. Some of you, you always have a look on your face while I'm preaching. So I don't look at you. Because... Y'all make me feel like I'm saying some really bad stuff by the way y'all look at me, right? So my face does that sometimes too. And I love you guys, and y'all are beautiful, but there's certain people that I'm just looking over. And I just want to be honest and transparent with you about that. But sometimes my face looks like that, and people will, will come to me and say, Hey man, are you okay? Are you good today? What, what's going on with you? And a lot of times it's just my face is just looking like my face looks. I can't help it. I'm cool. But people ask me the question. And that's really what Paul is saying. Hey, when people get this way, just warn them that they're heading in that direction. And that's what we should do as a community of believers is that when we begin to take missteps, we warn one another that we're taking those steps. And then he says to encourage the faint hearted. To encourage those who are hurting. 
To encourage those who, who are going through some struggles. To encourage one another because we know how hard this life is. He says, hey, warn them if they, if they missed up, but also encourage them when they're broken hearted. When they're going through the struggles of life, don't just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you and back up. He says, no, I want you to get in there with them and I want you to encourage them. And sometimes you could just say a sentence and that's pretty encouragement or encouraging. But a lot of times we, we have to get in the weeds with people and we have to say, hey, I want to encourage you by walking with you through this struggle. And sometimes it's not enough to just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. We need to know the difference. And the way that we do that is to continue to live life and community together. So he says, hey, warn those people who take these steps, who become idle, who become complacent. Encourage those who are faint-hearted. And then he says, and help the weak. Help the weak. And we talked about this when we were in our, in our spirit, in our ghost stories series, that our spiritual gifts, really, the ultimate purpose is to bring glory to God, but some secondary purposes of those spiritual gifts is to encourage and strengthen the faith of others. And Paul is saying, hey, so when you live in community like this, what I want you to do is I want you to help strengthen those who are weak. Help strengthen those people. The people whose faith barely hanging on by a thread. How many of you have been there where your faith is barely hanging on by a thread? And we need people that can come beside us and help strengthen that faith. Because there's going to be times in life where we just get beat down, beat down, beat down. And we need those people around us. And Paul says, hey, this is your duty. If you want to be, if you want to live a life of thanksgiving, right? Be thankful for your Christian leaders, not because they're leaders, but because of their service and how they labor among you. Be unified with one another, and this is how you can do that, by warning and by encouraging and by helping. And then he goes in to this, in verse 16. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For what? For this is the will of God. This is the will of God for you. So if you've ever wondered, hey, what is God's will for me? This says it right here in verse 16, 17, and 18. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is it. This is the will of God. Now, let's just, let's just clarify, this isn't the sovereign will of God for you, because if it was, you would, you would be doing this, and I would be doing this, because we wouldn't have a choice. No, this is the perceptive will of God. And he says, this is my will for you, is to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. And you say, well, man, I'm not always happy. And I'm not always praying. And I'm not always giving thanks. And to that I would say, well, friend, me too. And we're not living in the perceptive will of God if we're not living that way. So how can we get there? That's the question. How can we get to that place? He says rejoice always. Now, this, is, this doesn't mean always be happy. 
right? We love being happy. I love being happy. I was happy when the Braves won the World Series last year. I was happy when the Bulldogs won the National Championship last year. Let me tell you what that didn't do. It didn't bring some kind of joy to my life when that happened. I was happy. Almost shed some tears. Just going to be honest and transparent again. But it brought no eternal joy to me. There's a difference between being happy and being filled with joy. So God's will for us isn't that we're happy. It's that we have some, some sense of joy somehow apart from ourselves because we and ourselves could never produce the joy that God is talking about. See, joy isn't based in circumstances. It's based in who God is. Right? Because our circumstances change. But guess what? God never does. So our joy, it isn't found in the things that we go through and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's based in the fact that God is who He says He is. It's based in the fact that God loved us enough to send Jesus on a rescue mission for us. It's based in the fact that God, He is rich in mercy. He lavishes His grace upon us. And that mercies are new every single day in our life. That's where the joy comes from. John 15 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, I want my joy to be in you because that's when you're full of joy. You're not full of joy apart from me whatsoever. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says this, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you, do not know, though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Why? Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here's how we're full of joy. It's because we were once sinners and then Jesus, because of His rescue mission for humanity, because of His death on a cross, because He defeated death three days later, because He ascended back into heaven, and because He is alive and making intercession for us, we now have salvation, and because of that salvation, we're full of joy. Man, that is the truth of the Gospel. It's not anything that we do, it's not anything that we go through, it's the fact that God loved us enough, and Jesus filled us with joy. He says, hey, so rejoice always. Not be happy, but rejoice always. And we're not rejoicing in circumstances. We're rejoicing in the fact that God loved us enough that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it counted for you. For every single person in this room. You say, well man, why is that important? Well, it's important because we are sinful people. And Paul even says, hey, we're all sinful, and I'm the chief sinner. And sometimes I feel that way. There's nothing that makes me more holy than you because I stand on this, this little stage right here. Nothing whatsoever. I'm a sinner just like you're a sinner. And if you don't believe you're a sinner, we got to start there. If you're married, ask your wife and she will help you understand. 
But we're all sinners. And our sin separates us from God. Because He's a holy, perfect God who can't look upon sin. And I want to be honest with you that, man, there's a lot of times that I'm talking to people who aren't Christ followers. They don't have... They don't have Jesus. They don't have this joy. And man, what they what they tell me a lot of times is that they're they're just praying for this person or they're praying for this situation and they're praying for this. And man, I want to be really, really clear with you. I don't want to be mean about this, but I want to be honest. Is that if they're not a believer, then they their prayers don't reach heaven. Because God can't look down on sin. The only reason that we have direct access to God is because we have been we have been justified by the blood of Jesus. We've become righteousness because of Jesus' righteousness. And it's through that relationship that we have the ability to have direct access to our Father in heaven. And that's important for you to understand this morning. Is that, man... We only have access to God because of Jesus. It's nothing that we've done. And guess what? We get to be joyful about that. And he says, pray without ceasing. Now, what this tells me is that the customs of prayer don't really matter as much. It's really about the communion with God. Because if we're going to pray without ceasing, which means that it never stops, then we can't continuously bow our head we can't continuously close our eyes we can't continuously verbalize prayers those are all customs right and they're they're good but it tells me that those aren't as as important as actually communicating with God so what does it mean to pray without ceasing it doesn't mean that you're driving down the road at 80 miles per hour and you close your eyes and bow your head right it, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that when when you're um, when you're sleeping at night, right? That somehow you're you're bowing your head, you're closing your eyes, and you're verbalizing stuff. That that would be weird if you do that. Some people talk. How many of you talk in your sleep? Don't don't be ashamed. Okay, man, that's a lot. So I don't do that very much, but my wife, she does sometimes, and I'm always trying to listen. Right? Because I want to know, like, what's what's really going through her head? Because if we could get in the head of our wife, for one, it would freak us out. But two, it may help us not get in trouble as much as husbands. So I'm trying to listen and I'm I'm thinking, man, she's either she's either got the gift of speaking in tongues or like something's going on because I can't understand it. It's gibberish, but she, she smiles sometimes, and I'm like, well, that's probably about me. And then other times, she's not smiling, and I'm thinking, that's probably about me too. Um, but then I feel really selfish because I think all her dreams are about me, and that's probably not true. But man, what I want you to understand about praying without ceasing and not stopping, it's not, it's not a verbal type deal. It's not you fall on your face and you pray type deal. Now, those things are good, and we should do that. But what it means is that we live in an attitude and a posture of constant communication with God. Is that as we go through life, 
we're constantly in this posture and this attitude of communicating with our Father in heaven. And that's why, man, you've, you've heard me talk about popcorn prayers and before I, I say something or before I go to a meeting or before I respond to a, a text message or something, I throw up what I call a popcorn prayer. It's just really quick. Hey, God, you know what's on my heart. You know what's about to happen. I need some guidance. I need you to control this situation. I need you to help me to be slow to speak, to be quick to listen, and to be patient through this conversation. And it's really quick. 30 seconds, prayer's over. It could be as I'm walking to the meeting. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. But what I, what I want you to know about that is that there's an attitude and a posture that makes those type prayers really genuine and sincere. And when we can live in a, in a state where we're constantly thanking and, and praying with our spirit, man, life begins to change. And honestly, we begin to live in the will of God. And we're filled with joy. We're constantly praying. Philippians 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul says this, In everything, pray. He says, pray without ceasing, and in everything, pray. The importance of prayer is pivotal in our life as a Christ follower because that's our community with God. That's how we, that's how we continuously have communion with our Father. It's through conversation with Him. Not verbal conversation, but spirit conversation. Where we're just living in that. Charles Spurgeon said this, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. See, when, when we're filled with joy and we're constantly communicating with God in an attitude and a spirit of prayer, man, that just, it breathes out gratitude and thankfulness in our life, which is the third part of living in God's will. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. And I believe that there's a reason that Paul ordered it this way. That when we're filled with the joy of God, then we want to communicate with Him on a consistent basis. And while we're doing that, we can't help but to be thankful for who He is. We give thanks in all circumstances. Now, what He, what he doesn't say is that we give thanks for all circumstances. He said, no, we give thanks in all circumstances. Because there's some circumstances that we're not thankful for, but we can be thankful in and through those circumstances in our life. And maybe some of you sitting in this room right now, you're, you're going through some of those circumstances where you're not thankful for those things, but you can be thankful in and through those things. See, and that's when we really begin to live in the will of God is that despite circumstances, we're still thankful in and through those circumstances. And you know what? That's when the world who doesn't know God, they begin to take notice that something's different. Because we should be reacting a completely different way. 
We should be upset all the time. We should be angry all the time. We should be just mad. We should be whatever, fill in the blank with all these worldly emotions and reactions. And then they see us and say, well, man, they are upset, but somehow they're still giving thanks in the midst of these circumstances. Somehow they're still giving thanks through all these bad things that are happening to them. And then it makes people stop and wonder, hey, what's different about them? How are they doing that? And the answer is because of who He is and because of the joy that we have in Him. Because we've been filled with joy. Because we're in constant communication with Him. Because our attitude and our posture in life is to be in communion with our Father. And that just breeds gratitude and thankfulness. So as we go through this season of Thanksgiving, man, there's a ton of stuff that we can be thankful for. And a lot of people would say, man, thank you for this house that I have. Thank you for, for these cars. Thank you for this job. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be thankful for that stuff. You should be. But man, true gratitude should come from the fact that God sent Jesus on a rescue mission for you. And we're filled with joy because of that. And we live in community with God because of that. And then gratitude is just something that flows out of that joy and that praying without ceasing. Just for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, after, after each one of these things, after, after rejoicing always, God gets the glory. When we pray without ceasing, God gets the glory. When we give thanks in all circumstances, God gets the glory. And it's all about God getting the glory. And through God getting the glory, we, we have a life that we could never imagine. We have a joy that is inexpressible. How many of you are living life so joyful that you can't even express it? That's God's will for you. God's will for you is that you live a life so full of joy that you can't even begin to understand how to express that joy. It doesn't mean you're always going to be happy. It means you're always going to be filled with this sense of joy that only comes from Him. How many of you are living life that way? Man, it's, it's such a... It's such a hard thing to explain to people. We're going to close this morning with, with just a story. And again, I'm not, a, I'm not a holiday person, man. And I'm not trying to, to bash the holidays. That's just that's not me. I've never been a fan of holidays. The only holiday I'm a fan of is New Year's because that's my birthday. So that's just that's the only reason that I even care about that holiday. I'm just not a holiday person. But the holiday season, some, for some reason, it brings like heightened emotion to people. Like people, they, they think differently for some reason in November and December. And some people start in October because they're Halloween people, whatever. We got some of those. Praise, praise Jesus for you. But emotions begin to, to get heightened during this season. And I'm just, I'm not real good with emotions, right? I, I just, I want to be honest with you. 
Like when people, when people have these heightened emotions, it, it just, I don't know what, I don't know what to do about it. So it's, it's like, man, do I need to have these emotions with you? Because if I do, I'm going to be faking them. Like I, and I don't want to fake them. I want to be real with you. So, but I don't want you to think I don't care. There's a lot of stuff that goes on up here, right? But people, they, they get these, these feelings and these emotions during the holiday season. And I want to validate some of those because some of those are legit emotions and feelings. Sometimes there's just family that's not around anymore that used to be around. And, and that, that hurts people. It's hard for people to go through holidays when they used to go through them with certain people and now they don't go through them with those people anymore. And I get that. I want to validate that those feelings and those emotions are real. And then there's some people who they, they get all thankful all of a sudden. They hadn't been thankful for the first nine months of the year and then all of a sudden they're thankful for everything in their life for three months and then January hits and they go back to not being thankful anymore. Because everything's just heightened a little bit when it comes to emotions and feelings during this holiday season. And I want you to know that God's will for you is not that you allow these emotions and feelings to be heightened but that you allow Him to fill you with joy, with prayer, and with gratitude all the time. But I was talking to someone at work the other day, and man, it's this person, they, they've lost, they lost their son in a car accident, and this is a difficult time for them. And I can't imagine the pain of that as a, as a parent. Like, I just can't. It's not something that I would ever want to go through, and it's not something I would ever want to see any of you guys go through. And I know that some of you, you've been there. You've been through that pain and that hurt. But I was talking to them, and I said, well, how, do these, how does the holiday season play a part in that? Does it, does it heighten those feelings and those emotions? And their first response was, well, yeah, it sucks. It's really bad. But then they, they kind of backed up. And they said, well, honestly, it's always bad. It's always bad. And there's some things that we go through in life that it's always bad. We don't understand why God allows things to happen. And we don't understand why it had to be us and it couldn't be someone else. And we don't understand why we lose kids and why we, we get hurt by people we weren't supposed to get hurt by. And, and we lose family members and divorces are, are going crazy and kids are being abused. And man, there's so many victims we don't understand it. And then we see that Paul says, but I want you to always rejoice. I want you to pray without ceasing. I want you to give thanks in all circumstances. And, and some of you could be sitting here saying, how is that even possible? 
You don't know the stuff that I've been through. You don't know the circumstances that have been thrown my way. And I don't know those circumstances and I don't know what life is throwing at you. But I know this, that the will of God for us is that we say yes to Him. And when we say yes to Him, then our life is different. Then these emotions, they don't control us. They're still real. They're still validated. They still happen. But though, man, I'm telling you, that these emotions that we feel, they don't control us anymore. What controls us is that we have a joy that's inexpressible. We have community with a God who loves us. We pray without ceasing. And we give thanks, not for the circumstance, but in and through the circumstance. And Paul says, hey man, guess what? That's the will of God. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for every single person sitting in this room. We saw that last week, the ultimate will of God is to bring all things back to Himself. It's that everybody would repent. Everyone would come to know who He is. Now that's His perceptive will. If it was His sovereign will, everyone would do that. But He gives us the choice. And then we see again, as he's talking about, this is the will of God for you, is that you're filled with joy, is that you always pray, is that you give thanks in all circumstances. That only happens if you have a relationship with Jesus. So it comes back to the same thing. God's will for you is that you say yes to Him. And then when you do that, you begin to live life in a way that is just crazy different from what the world would say is normal. I tell you what, I don't want to be normal. I'm a weird dude, man. I'm just going to be honest. I'm a weird dude. And I'm okay with that. Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Weird, and I would challenge you to read that book. And it talks about how we're different from the world, and we're called to be. And this is how we're called to be. Let's stand together this morning. We're called to be different because we're called to have a joy that's inexpressible, to always be in communion with God and to give thanks in all circumstances. And I tell you what, that's weird. It's weird to be that way. That's not what the culture would tell us. That's not what the world would tell us. They would say, man, you have the right to not be joyful. You have the right to disown God. You have the right to be mad. And I want you to know the only right we have is to spend eternity in hell. That's our right as sinners and as humans. And God said, yeah, man, so I know that's your punishment that you deserve, but I love you too much for that. And I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but God loved you too much. God loved you too much to say, hey, well, that was your decision. Too bad. No. He said, I love you enough where I want to send Jesus on a rescue mission for you. That's how much He loves you. If you've never heard that before, I want you to know that today. That God loves you that much. And we didn't earn it. 
which means that we can't lose it. Man, He loves you because He loves you. That's it. It's not because I'm special and and I, I love you, but it ain't because you're special. It's because God created you in His image to bring Him glory. And He loves you because He loves you. This morning, we're going to respond like we always respond. We're going to sing because He's worthy to be praised. We're going to bring our first and our best because He gave us His first and His best in Jesus. And we're going to pray. For some of you, today may be the day of salvation for you, and that needs to be your prayer, is that I'm ready to say yes to Jesus today. That I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I want to say yes to the One who's done everything necessary for my salvation. For some of you, it just... Maybe you haven't been living in the will of God. Maybe you, you haven't been experiencing that joy that He has for you. That you haven't been living in constant communication with Him and that you haven't been giving thanks in all circumstances. And today, you could say, I'm ready to live in the will of God. And that needs to be your prayer and your declaration this morning. Whatever it is, let's take the next step of faith that He has for us. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.